This is the ID Fanatic Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Midtown Toronto on Tuesday, June 1st, 2021. The podcast where we talk to real instructional designers for one half hour about their lives, their careers, and how they keep it all together. This week's guest is Dr. Arifa Garman of Lee's Summit, Missouri. Arifa is our first higher education guest, training faculty and teachers on pedagogies, technology, software, LMS, course review, and so on. Hello, Arifa. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the being uh, the, the first in higher ed uh, on your show, Mitch. Thank you so yeah. much. Well, thanks for coming on. How are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. It's uh, stopped raining in Lee Summit, Missouri. It's been uh-huh. raining nonstop. So, you know, it's a... Uh, it's, we're coming onto a long weekend, so I'm I'm excited for some R and R. Yeah, I think it moved over here because it's raining here today. It's <laughs> yes. been the weather's been steadily getting. We we suddenly jumped into summer. Yes. At the beginning of the weekend, and uh, then it's been steadily getting worse and worse. Yes, you know, I lived in Florida for 27 years. Yes. And yeah. then I moved to Lee Summit. Uh, and then two weeks after I moved and I thought, okay, I timed to move. There's no, there's no winter. And then snow happens. Like it's like yeah. woke up and it's white. Now I lived for 15 years in Calgary, Alberta. Yeah. So I know all about snow, but I'm thinking that's too, you know, I was, you were supposed to. That's way far North. Of me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You were supposed to give me six months to get well, acclimated look, to the summit. Texas had snow this year. So like anything goes. In- indeed. Indeed. So I was going to ask you that later, but since you brought it up, so you were in Florida for 27 years, you moved to Missouri, but you're currently working uh, as an ID at the University, University of, of Maryland. Maryland. Correct. Halfway across the country. Indeed. So what uh, caused the move to Missouri? So my son is a faculty at UMKC, and we came to visit uh, to visit here several times and we liked it. Uh, in the process, I had left a job, uh, not on my own accord. You know, we had several, we had Hurricane Michaels and then COVID. And then I had got uh, started working as an instructional designer with the University of Maryland. Uh, mm-hmm. but we, we wanted to move. It has been such a great the move. We've only been here for two months. Uh, I can tell you there's still boxes around, but you know how it is. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, to be close to family. I just thought it's time we, we are close to family. Uh, and, and I've been very pleased with the decision so far. Right. What's and, Lee's and Summit like? Lee's Summit is a really nice, like the whole kind of small town, but I live in a, in a subset, which is called Winterset of, of Lee's Summit. Uh, very nice neighborhood. Let me tell you, I've never been in more friendlier neighbors. So many did some baking goods come to welcome me. Uh, and then last month was was our fasting month for the Muslim Ramadan. So yeah. I returned the favor. We have a in Syria, which is where I'm from. Uh, make it's called Maruk. Uh, it's a sweet bread baked only during Ramadan. So mm-hmm. all the neighbors on my street and my son's street, who also lives on Winterset got a maruk. Uh, there were days I was baking 10 different sweet breads and <laughs> we had a list going, okay, who didn't get one? Who's going to get one? So it was, uh, it's really been, been a nice move so far. So we're hoping That's very nice. that it's going to continue. Yeah. You know, it's nice living somewhere where neighbors pay attention to one another. Yes. 
And when we closed on our house, the uh, the closing agent, he said, in my 20 plus years, I have never you know, closed people moving from Florida to Lee Summit, Missouri. I've seen the other way around a lot, people selling. And I said, you know, uh, we're always the first in everything, so. Yeah. <laughs> a family of firsts. Indeed. So you're from Syria. You're, you did your undergrad in Calgary. I did my undergrad and my first graduate degree at the University of Calgary. I hold triple citizenship. I'm Syrian, Canadian, and American. I'm thinking Australia gotta be next. So anybody in Australia, I'll go to New Zealand. I, I can I can come. Yes. So my first two degrees, uh, I have a fashion design certificate from SAIT. Yeah. I'm hoping SAIT's still there and alive. Uh, I have a, a certificate in business management from Mount Royal College. Uh, and then I also have two degrees from U the University of Calgary. So when did you move to Calgary? Uh, in 1979, you know, the Rockies were where we spent a lot of family times with when the kids were small. Mm -hmm. And you've got uh, three, three children, right? Correct. My older son is a, a software engineer. He works with a company called Redeker. And uh -huh. my second son is the one who's here. He's an aeronautical engineer, uh, works for the UMKC. And my daughter, Raja Abdurrahim, she's a foreign correspondent with Wall Street Journal. Oh my goodness! Very high achieving kids. Well, you you set a good example. Uh, now, yeah, in I, fact, I, I even got my high school equivalency from Viscount Bennett back in Calgary as a mother mm -hmm. of three kids, and my kids have kind of walked with me through all the degrees. I I have six degrees, four of them uh, postgraduate, and so they were all at my graduation. So we, at some point, there were four university students in a family of five. And I downloaded your dissertation and the introduction. You say your husband withdrew from his PhD program. Yes, uh, I'm hanging early on. Shame for those who can't see me. I had just emigrated to Calgary uh, yeah. and I didn't speak English. I didn't know anyone. And he was working full time uh, as a geophysicist. And then and then was going at the University of Calgary to finish his program. Uh, you know, had he thought ahead, he would have should have just immersed me into studies you know, moved from Syria to Calgary uh, in mm -hmm. September. So winter started. Uh, and so, yeah, he ended up withdrawing from his doctorate program. Uh, so I, I always feel that guilt I carry with me. Well, don't feel too bad. I'm sure <laughs> he's doing well. Yeah. So you went to Florida, do your master's in educational leadership. Yes. And you've been involved in e-learning and testing at the Gulf Coast State College Correct. since 2002 as director, as executive director. Did you teach there? Uh, yes, I taught technology for teachers, teaching diverse population, but I taught Arabic language and culture at the University of West Florida for years. I also facilitate slash teach with online learning consortium. I train professors, uh, division chairs on how to teach online, uh, kind of from an instructional design uh, perspective, you know, pedagogies, how to teach online. Uh, the, the course I'm in the midst of called online teaching certificate. Uh, so mm -hmm. we do technologies, we do pedagogies, we do accessibility. Uh, and uh, I do also audio and video. I do, you know, new to online with online learning consortium. Uh, mm -hmm. I also have been working with a university overseas, creating their curriculum for training teachers online. And so we're kind of toward the 
tail end of that. And then we're going to have train the trainer and then they own the curriculum after that point. Your PhD is in distance education. Correct. And that was a while ago. And you started with the online learning consortium in 2012. So you're a very early participant in the right. whole distance education right. thing, which is now since the pandemic, it's become something everybody's be suddenly yes. become familiar with. Um, what drew you to it back when you started your research? Early on, I wanted to pursue a career that that's something I love and that I can have an impact on on close and far away. And I have always had the the hope that I can train people in the Middle East. And that's what I've been. My last two and a half degrees were online. So I've mm-hmm. seen online instructor technology as an administrator, as a student and as faculty and as a trainer. I always tell my daughter, I'm a wannabe nerd. And she says it's the worst category to be in because nerds <laughs> are smart. Wannabe is just wannabe. Uh, but I'm always willing to learn. So what was the student experience like? So some of the students' experience, which I now try to avoid, some of my early classes in distance education, there was no interaction with the faculty. It was almost like correspondence school, you know, courses. Here you go. Don't ask me any more questions. So that's part of, of when I train faculty is we talk about community of inquiry, the teaching presence. How can you make sure when you're designing your courses, your students feel and know you're there without having to be there 24 hours a day next to computers. So we talk about different strategies for teaching presence. What can you do to make your students feel my professor was just there? You know, some courses obviously were better than others because it's, you know, interaction. It's never just, it should not be student to, to student to faculty or student to professor. There's also that important element of student to student interaction. We're social beings. We need that interaction and it, it doesn't happen organically. It, it has to be planned. It has to be designed and you have to nurture it, that student to student interaction. And I'll give you an example of when, when I was, when I started teaching online Arabic language and culture, and it's all online, 100%. Mm-hmm. And the, the move from Arabic to English is very tough because there's nothing in common that the letters, yeah. not the direction. So then uh, what I would do, we have live session, like we're doing right now uh, on Zoom. It was a different platform, but I would have students kind of do like a mini teaching where they have to do to say a sentence. So what I would do is I create a breakout session and then I go with them to another room but I also have several computers where I would keep an eye on what's happening in the main room. So when I took that students to practice, I'm keeping an eye on what's happening in the main room. And students just stood, sat there, didn't even talk about the weather. So I thought, okay, so when I took that students for five minutes, I gave them something to do. They had to be talking to each other. So when we came back, the first thing they did is they, they told me what they worked on, even though I'm seeing them. So I would have like three or four laptops in the mm-hmm. breakout rooms. So student to student interaction has to be designed from an instructional design perspective, has to be planned and you have to nurture it and you have to kind of continuously work on it to get them. Once they, they, they're comfortable with, with each other, then you might see it taking, you know, have happening organically. But other than that, if you just hope you put them in a room and say, communicate, it doesn't happen. 
yeah, you yeah. have to initially plan it. What you're describing isn't a situation unique to online learning. In, in many, many classes, when the professor would say, any questions, nobody peeps up. Right. Uh, unless there's just one keener student who keeps asking all the questions and the professor doesn't really make any effort to get any other students engaged. They just sort of talk to them. And then the students in the classes, they look at themselves as silos. They have their own social groups, but they don't really meet new people in the classes so much. Everybody's sort of like, I'm doing my own thing. And they don't necessarily communicate even in, in live classrooms. So what exactly is the value of the, the interaction between students that is so important? So one, one of the most thing research find that students drop out of online classes is the feeling of isolation. You know, mm. I'm there all alone. So I try every time we meet live session, I have different kind of fun icebreakers. I call them coffee breaks. So when we're meeting, I said, okay, coffee break time. And sometimes I said, do you need two, three minutes to go grab a coffee or go to the bathroom? And so they get, they get to present the coffee break, whatever it is they, that coffee break is, you know, a picture they saw. I also tell them to send it to me in advance. So I upload it. Sometimes what's appropriate and what's not appropriate, it has different standards but to get them to interact so that they don't feel that sense of isolation, they're more likely to say to each other, you know, I, I don't get it. So I make sure they're always a small group that they are, uh, that they're working together. I make group projects, but I structure these group projects well so that I mix them randomly. You know, there's the first project they choose their partners, but then after that, I let them mix so that they have to actually interact. So I would even in uh, like some project, they have to on the phone, on Zoom, they have to just say my Arabic classes. They have to say three sentences, you know, uh, how are you? How has your day? What's your major or something yeah. like that. So I send them, there's three questions. Initially, again, I planned these questions and they have to record each other and write. So I said, if you want to send the student before your question and answer, but it can be a minute question. We don't have to get to know everybody in the class. Mm -hmm. You have to get to know few people to feel I'm part of a group. I'm not learning all alone. I'm not isolated. Right. Um, does the same thing apply to other subjects or is it special because you, you're getting them to speak a language? It's to all subjects. So in, uh, in the online teaching certificate that I teach, uh, we have a live session every other week. Uh, and so I also make them interact. The goal for these breakout session is not 15 minutes. It's anywhere between two to five minutes tops bring also a Madias point. So when we're five of us in a room, I don't have to kind of expose myself and say, I don't understand. We can say in this group, there's this issue that came yeah. up that someone has. It's a lot safer when we mm -hmm. say in our group, someone had a, had a question and then I answer it. Now people drop out of online classes because they feel isolated. And uh, the same happens in live classes at universities. People drop out because they feel isolated. They feel that they're learning all by themselves. Do you think perhaps that this aspect of online learning might actually be an advantage over in-person classes? 
I think so, because, you know, yeah, I'm one of those nerdy students that ask all the questions. I mean, I yeah. attended classes at the University of Calgary between three to 500 students, sat for seat because I'm easily distracted as well, raised my hand. If others thought I didn't know, I didn't care. But the rest of the people just didn't ask a question, but mm -hmm. busily started writing when the professor would answer a question. And so in an online, you can have the advantage of everyone participating. I mean, I've had professors who were actively discouraging people from participating. Think of 10% of the students in a 300 class asking question. There's, there's no time. You know, you can't have, of course, 200 students in an online class and hope to engage with all of them. But you can design it so that everyone has a chance to participate. Mm -hmm. whether it's in a discussion. So even in the discussion form, if I have large classes, it's not one discussion form. So instead of interacting with 150, you're interacting with 10 or 15. We had the platform uh, Blackboard Collaborate. It used to be called Illuminate, managed in Calgary before Blackboard bought it, uh, where I create many rooms so they can actually go into the room so each team has a room but when they record it comes to me so then i post that in the discussion for everybody so a group of you know five to eight they're they're doing a live presentation like they would do in class but it's recording and i say three minutes only after yeah. three minutes i stop listening it's never a hundred percent where everybody's participating equally but at least you will have a chance of participations from everyone my kids are doing uh, high school online well one's doing high school now and one's doing university online and uh and i think a lot of students will do this is they basically try to game the system right they see you know what the minimum they can get away with is while still really getting high marks you know yeah. it was surprising when i started teaching that some students their aim is a c or a d because if it's not a core requirement a d is a passing grade that's like wait what and so for that for student, that's all they need or they want, I should say. I wanted to ask, what do you think of the use of polling apps and things like that during online? It's always been very underused uh, in live classes as a way of getting people engaged. People are using it more with things like Kahoot online and, and many of the platforms have polling built in. Is that something that you're uh, enthusiastic about? Yes. Uh, you know, anything overdone. You know, you don't want an, an overkill. But but one of the things I remember I said that sometimes students don't like admitting I don't know is where poll comes in. If you design the questions carefully so that you're getting where the muddiest point is. And so mm -hmm. sometimes I do like in my live session, I'll ask a few questions and then I say, okay, it seems that this issue is a sticky point for some people. How about then I do this? How about I create a tutorial video and I'll post it in the class? And there's been many days at the end of the live session, I'm creating three, four different videos. The goal is always to have them three to five minutes long because unfortunately we are yeah. a short, short attention span population now and, and then label it carefully. I post everything now on YouTube. Nothing I say is a big secret if someone other than the students see it and I make it available public this way, you know, they can get it on their phone. They don't have to go into the LMS to view mm -hmm. it. That also shows, 
you know, the engagement with the students, the professor's presence. And sometimes I, I re, you know, if an issue that I've recorded before and I say, here's the link to this video. If you still have a question, write me in the comment. I'll create some more. So you're not devising polls for everything. You're kind of thinking from a design standpoint, you're thinking of what, you know, are they having trouble with or what am I guessing that they're having trouble with? Let me put a question to them about that and verify that this is an issue and then I can focus on it and explain it and they're going to pay attention because they know that they don't know. Right. But I also do, like, for example, in one session, I took, like I said, I had just moved. So I took four pictures. Uh, I changed my office. So when I looked up before, it was just a white wall or whatever, light blue, and then the window. And I said, in poll, right, because I want them, I want them to test the technology, even though it's not really technology. When you look up, so I had one just facing a wall, one facing a window, one facing my messy boxes in my office, and I mm-hmm. this is, and one was outside. If you look up from your computer for a second, what do you see? One, two, three, four, right? That's a poll. I didn't know who they were. Then the second one was I took the number from the pictures and I said, which would you rather, which would be more productive for you? If you were facing same pictures, one, two, three, and four, right? Are you a person easily distracted? If you're sitting outside, there's a lot of rabbits, for example, for me outside, right? That's still using the same poll, but I tried them to always use any tool. Poll is a tool before I use it for instructional purpose. So when I want them, for example, to write questions uh, for me, the first thing I do in some in some of the sessions, I would say, uh, what's your uh, what's on the bucket list for your next vacation? So in Zoom, I let them, I put the whiteboard and I give them the ability to annotate and then they write because the next session, it could be, then I say, here's a question, you know, here's a, the four topics. Tell me which one is your muddiest point. But then we've already practiced writing, annotating on the whiteboard when it was something fun, lighthearted, not content related. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to just move into the personal realm. You're, so you're living with your husband, you're close to your son, your, your other son and your daughter, are they in the same city or are they? No, I have a son who lives in Tampa. No, my daughter actually lives in London. She was Uh in Beirut when uh, she was covering Syria and Iraq. And now she moved, she's covering migration uh, in Europe. And so she now lives in London, England. And um, and then you and you were working remotely. Right. Uh, what is your husband doing now? Uh, real estate. Okay. So uh, the question is about your work-life balance. So I lack the balance because, you know, yesterday I thought, oh, I didn't send the question. So I came in. I have a home office. So I have a, it's it's like another master. That's where my office is. Uh, kind of on a personal level, I have a degree in fashion design, like I said. It's at mm-hmm. some point is how I made a living. But I also do, uh, haven't for a while, I do Islamic art on porcelain. I was featured at the Glimbo Museum back in Calgary. I did a lot of art show when, when I was in Calgary and some in, in Florida. So what I'm trying to do right now is set up my 
my office where there's a creative corners where that's you know where my painting is where I can if I have only half an hour or an hour then it's how I studied for my bachelor I would reward myself in painting if I did study for two three hours really well my reward was to sit for an hour and paint put on yeah. some music and I painted uh, so I try as much as I can to unplug unfortunately there's four different emails attached to my phone that also means I'm attached to work a lot uh, there's a lot of walking trails so since we moved here I've been forcing myself uh, daily or semi-daily to just get out. There's a small trail that only takes me seven minutes to just force myself to get outside uh, and uh, and work. I've been I've been trying to be better at stepping away from the office. Wow, that's amazing. That's really quite a quite a variety of activity, and it's really good to have the creative outlets to uh, sort of let your mind, you know, let that different part of your brain have some exercise. Right. Keep right. things flowing. Yeah. You know, so that's wonderful. The Lord gave us the two sides of the brain, you know. Yeah. I know there's a lot of theories about the left side and the right side, mm -hmm. but I find that a lot of ideas for my left side of the brain work come come when I'm just, because the, the porcelain painting is such a slow process. And mm -hmm. so, I feel everything I do is is hurry, hurry. And then that that part, it just kind of slows me down. But you kind of let, you know where you put it in the back of your mind and then it's like, oh, I can do this. And then I have always a notepad everywhere. I write it down. Uh, and now, you know, there's a, an app on my phone and then I record it so that I, I, I'm able to, uh, to participate, you know, to create that, whatever it is I'm creating. Excellent. Excellent. That sounds like a great technique. That's the two-minute warning. For the ending, I'd like to ask my 10-question survey that I stole from the Actor Studio TV show. Uh, the idea here is just to say the first thing that pops into your mind. Okay. All right. Okay, here we go. What is your favorite word? Engage. What is your least favorite word? Can't. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Busyness. And what turns you off? Stress. Uh, I, you know, this next question is: What is your favorite curse word? The last three people I asked said they don't have, they don't curse anymore. What's your What's your answer? I don't curse at all. <laughs> Uh, what sound or noise do you love? Say that again. What sound or noise do you love? Sound or noise you love? People laughing. What sound or noise do you hate? Children crying. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Singing. Well, wow, that's interesting. Do you sing? I do a little, yes. What profession would you like not to do? Truck driver. Good choice. And the final question is what I call the heaven question, this time for the first time in Islamic form. What would you like Allah to say when you get to Jenna? Welcome. And that's it. Thank you. Th 
Thank uh, you very much for being on the show. It was very, you. very you interesting. Know, about truck driving. When I was in Calgary, I went, I forgot where, where I was doing these, participate in this, like it was a week where you, you they analyze everything about you and uh-huh. tell you what the best profession for you is. It was <sighs> truck driving. They told you that you should be a truck driver? Yeah, sure did. <laughs> we are online and taking all these surveys said the best career for you is truck driving. Thinking, nope. Oh my goodness. And you know, I I I was telling that to one of my new neighbors and said, maybe because you have such varied interest and uh, that they didn't know where to place you. And so it was like this random thing, truck driving. It just goes to show you that these surveys and psychological profiles and things they do, they're not always on the money. Correct. Correct. Yes, absolutely. The ID Fanatic drops every Tuesday at noon Eastern time. I hope you're inspired to subscribe and read a review. Good, bad, or ugly, let me know what you think. That link again is kite.link slash theidfanatic. You can contact me, Mitch Moldovsky, on LinkedIn, and I hope that you and yours have a totally awesome week. Bye-bye-bye.